From Edge Radio 99.3 FM, this is an edit of The Dice Men Cometh, the podcast. The Dice Men Cometh! Oh dear, it is The Dice Men Cometh. It is Thursday. It is Edge Radio 99.3 FM. It is. And it's Garth and Mark Mm -hmm. and Leon. And for those who weren't listening last week, hello. Sorry I wasn't here last week. (laughs) But uh, I think we can all agree that Leon and Mark did a somewhat suitable job talking up, maybe, the game that we played Warrior Knights. Yeah, we were quite, we were quite polite. Yeah, I, thought you were gonna go, I thought you were going to go much harder on the assembly part of the game, yeah. or the parliament, as you guys called it, on the, on the show. Look, I think, it, I think it had a lot of good points, but hey, we're, we're, we're positive guys here on you the are. Dice Men Cometh. Yes, Correct. for an hour a week we're very positive. <laughs> and the reason we are positive is because we are part of Australia's number one board gaming radio show and podcast. Mm-hmm. It's all about board games, card games, dice games, tabley games, games you can buy in supermarkets, games you cannot mm. buy in supermarkets and you have to go to the underbelly of the gaming stores and saying, do you have a modern board game that I can buy? And now we have been doing this, believe it or not, chaps, for 268 episodes. Wow. No wonder we... Well, at least Mark has grey hair by now. (laughs) Yeah. So, look, tonight's show is jam-packed, as they all are, and no doubt we will run out of time and we'll end up talking really quickly like this, Mm -hmm. like we always do, because we are talking about the submarinist game that I have ever played in the last couple of weeks. Right. I was about to say, there's another one that's quite (laughs) submarine-y. Now, we are not talking about Red November or whatever it is that we... uh, have also played, but not recently. Anyway, once we talk about this secret U-booty-type game, Mark, you've got some dee 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 news I you do. would like to share with us. And I do. Leon's got something that we'll only talk about if we actually need to. I've got a couple of things up my sleeve. Of Ooh. course, I have my sleeves rolled up at the moment because I have cool tattoos. Well, there you go. <laughs> and on that really sexy bombshell. Yep. We're going to throw to a song and then we're going to come back and tell you all about those things you can do in a submarine. You're with the Dice Men Cometh. It's Edge Radio 99.3 <laughs> FM. And here's your song. Hey, it's Bo. Board games are cool and you should listen to the Dice Men Cometh. Yeah. Edge Radio 99.3 FM with the Dice Men Cometh. That was A. Swayze and the Ghosts with Smooth Sailing. I see what you did there, Mark, because Swayze, <laughs> obviously... Patrick Swayze, mm. famous for his film Submarine Ghost. <laughs> so, <laughs> Garth. Hello. Why don't you talk about, is it a game with ghosts or submarines? Oh, it's Patrick Swayze, the uh, pottery game. Imagine a game with <sighs> ghosts on submarines. I'll tell you what, I, I happily play like a roadhouse, like smash em up type game. Oh. That would be great because pain don't hurt. <laughs> if one <laughs> right. thing he ever taught us. <laughs> right. <laughs> I thought no one put Swayze in a corner. That was baby. Oh, okay. So I, I leave the room whenever Joe wants to watch a Patrick Swayze movie. So, look, we are talking about arguably one of the more exciting implementations mm. of cardboard meets electricity oh, yes. and app integration. Mm. We are talking about U-Boot, mm. which is U-Boot the board game. Where you, yes, you or me, and you and you and me, mm. get to be the crew of a 1940s German U-boot mm. going into the English Channel and the North Sea and even further afield, depending on how he set this up. You know, it sounds quite silly, but I was looking at it today and realised, oh yeah, U-boot, as in German, you guys are playing as the Germans in World Jawohl, War Two. Yeah, mein Kapitän. There's, there's not many places you can get away with doing that. <laughs> no, and there is not a swastika be found in this game. Good. And thankfully. The, the app, I'm sure you're going to mention it, but the app even talks to you in German the whole way through. Oh, there's a Come lot on, of... Mein there's a lot of Achtung, Achtung going on in this. So U-Boot smashed it on Kickstarter. Yeah. It made hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of dollars all on this premise that you get to be a real-life submarine crew and you also get this 90-centimetre-long mm. 3D working submarine. And just to go step a, back a, step, a couple of steps, the easy way to describe this game is it is equivalent to real-time pandemic where the submarine is your world. You're all working together. 
you're all doing things in real time and the submarine is your world. You're trying to destroy those nasty English people, primarily their merchant navies, without being detected. Isn't it more Captain Sonar Advanced? No. Or U-Boot? Or Captain Sonar is more U-Boot the party game? No. Really? It's really not at all the same. I think it's like playing Captain Sonar in a real submarine. (laughs) Look, let's just put it out there. It's like actually having to go through the Navy and start not knowing anything and dying a lot and then maybe learning a bit more and still dying a lot. Mm -hmm. Unless you're expertly led by an expert captain and we'll get to that. (laughs) I mean, and the Navy, I mean, they'll take any old scum in the Navy these days. Well, (laughs) they they took any young scum with Mark. (laughs) Thankfully, he did turn old. Mm. So, look, this game is designed by a whole bunch of first-timers. So the two designers really haven't done anything at all Ex- in the board gaming hobby. Except mm. take the wagon from Colt Express, paint it grey and put a torpedo on the end sure, of it. Sure. <laughs> so Bartosz Pluter and Arta Sowolowski mm. have been able to put this, this game together, made hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars and then just sort of put it out into the world and see how it goes. Mm. Now, I was immediately in. I want to get this game. I backed my dollary dues and there we go. And you know how you look through the world with rose-coloured eyes and it feels like, I probably only backed that six months ago, Mm. and then you realise it was several years ago and you go, wow, that took a long, long time. Not to mention the last few months, everyone else in the other hemisphere has got it and it feels like I was the only one in Australia who was waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. But that... That's Tasmania in a nutshell. We always feel like it. Or is it really that long ago? Oh, look, I didn't even look. I didn't want to see how far ago. Surely it it was was only last year. I think a little bit longer. But anyway, that is not important because we've played it. Mm. So, look, one to four players will set this up. It doesn't... Look, because of the real-time nature of it, I will only ever want to play this with a maximum four players. Yeah. Everyone will take on one of the four roles, which is your captain, your first officer, your navigator and your chief engineer. Each of them will have very different roles. The engineer stops the submarine from sinking. It fixes things. That's pretty much what the chief engineer does. He'll also keep track of how fast you're going and how broken things are. Yeah. This this isn't Captain Sonar, right? This is No, you. this is the chief they're, engineer. They're very different, you say? Absolutely, <laughs> okay, 100%. Cool. The navigator, as the name may suggest, mm-hmm. will try, sometimes successfully, sometimes not, to figure out where you are in the world. And where you want to go. Well, yes, and where you want to go. They'll also be in charge of the most important part of this game, which is feeding the crew. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they'll get grumpy. You then got the first officer. Now, the first officer is also the medical officer. They'll be in charge of fixing any wounds or injuries or anything bad that happens to the crew. Should that happen? <laughs> should, that, yeah, should that happen, Mark? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, and then they are also in charge of the app. Mm. And that is by far and away one of the most important jobs that the first officer will be in charge of, and we'll get back to that. And then you've got the captain. The captain's in charge of telling all you people what to do and do it now. Being the captain is fun. Please, please, please do it now (laughs) because I don't have many orders left and I I can't really do it if I haven't got orders left. So do everything the most efficiently. Even though as a captain I'm not, not really sure what the most efficient way to do everything is, but the captain's in charge, Mark. Jawohl, mein Kapitan. So, look, in this game you're going to start... On any number of scenarios, there is a tutorial mission. There is then going into a whole bunch of single missions. Or, in fact, you can play this as a campaign Mm -hmm. where you can be a crew that lasts, hopefully, for several missions back-to-back where everything will be hunky-dory and rosy and no doubt you will all survive. Or not. And one thing I did read is that these missions that it's sending you on are somewhat historically accurate. Yeah. Which I think is pretty damn cool. Well, look. Because we're going back to 1940 is when the first mission is set. Yeah. This is when the German U-boots, U-boats were in full force and they were wolf packs yeah, just yeah. destroying ship after ship from the English and it was merchant navy vessels that were either unprotected or maybe had a bit of an escort. But that was the lifeblood of the English sort of war effort, for lack of a better term. Yeah. And if those ships were being sunk... That had massive ramifications back on English soil. Well, as we know here in Tasmania, you know, when you're an island, everything has to come by 
boat. Mark, Mark, did you make it, make it to mainland Europe? On, was you on a boat or were you on a plane when you went? Uh, I was there a bit after this. A little bit. Of, yeah, oh, yeah. You, you were there. You weren't there till about 43. I, I wasn't in that Tom Hanks scene on the beach, no. no. So he'd originally gone to the UK when it was still uh, landlocked to <laughs> Europe before the, before the oceans rose. Right. So look, your mission and the way that success is judged is that you will get a higher ranking and rankings are from A for excellent down to F for fail. How much gross tonnage you have been able to sink. That's your primary focus usually. Mm. However, you will get a primary goal, which is go and sink the most amount of stuff in this region on a map. And that's where you'll have to rely on the navigator to get you there. But you'll then have secondary objectives, and that might be go to this section of a map and sink a thing, or it might be go to this section of a map and rescue a thing, or it might be go to this section of a map and just do some recon, or go to this section of a map, do some recon, report back to HQ by using the Enigma machine, or something else. So the main thing you're trying to do is sink a battleship? No. Mm. No, it is not battleship (laughs) advanced, Uh, Leon. Thank you very much. Okay, I'm trying. (laughs) So you're going to start in a certain area, You'll have your mission briefing. All the crew will be in a certain place and you'll start in maybe the ship's court, like the, the, the central quarters, or you might start in the bow. Or Because you've got this three-dimensional submarine that's made up of eight sections, you could be starting in a whole bunch of different regions. And, and the good thing is every human player, of which there should be four, is in control of four individual sailors. And they are represented by little minis. And mm. the minis are fine. They're not exceptional yeah, by, okay. any, by any stretch. I backed for the princely sum of 35 extra pounds uh, a whole bunch of resin upgrades which give you little bits of, I guess, machinery, a little bit of internal stuff. So you get to see the torpedo tubes in 3D resin glory and the kitchen and a few other bits of pieces. Yeah, it just so fills, fills your submarine out, out a bit so it's just not all cardboard. Serves yeah. no purpose apart from making it yeah. look better yeah. and no doubt Doesn't people will good. paint it and look all good. Yeah. So anyway, you're going to be moving these people around because as soon as the mission starts... You're going to have your primary goal, and it might just be patrol or it might be going to a square. The game really begins turn one when the captain has to get this submarine moving. And the captain, in order to move this particular... Is it a boat? Is it a ship? Is it a submarine? Is there a technicality? It's a U-boat. You have to move your crew into the right place, make sure that the right people are in the right section... Make sure that the people who can steer have enough ability to steer. Make sure the people who run the engines have the right um, skill to be able to turn the engines off. Make sure that there's the right person in the navigation area so that you can be going in the right direction. And then also make sure that people are in the right spot to go the speed that you want to go. And that already is pretty complicated. Yeah. And you haven't even left port yet. So it's all about you. each of your characters has like a, a skill that they're better at. Yeah. And if they're good at that, that's quite easy for them to do. But then if that person isn't available, someone else can do that job, but it's like twice as tricky for them to do. Correct. So this is made up of watches. So a watch, in inverted commas, lasts for six hours of game time. Mm. And you can adjust the speed depending on whether you're in, I'm just cruising along the ocean, not much is going on, so let's speed up time, or I'm in real-time combat, let's slow everything down. So time is variable in this particular situation but the watches are always going to be six hours long after six hours the watch is going to change so that the minis that you had which all have individual different bases so you've got a square base and a round base and a pentagram pentagram and something and a triangle base the sailors that you've got and let's just use the navigator one for example who is in charge of the food very important so the triangle based sailor who is also for this particular watch the cook When the shift change happens, the triangle person is not the cook anymore because it's now the square guy. Oh, my God. So this square guy now takes twice as much effort to cook some food that we need to have because everyone needs to eat at least once a day, apparently. Mm. Selfish. I'll tell you what's selfish. Not being the captain. (laughs) The captain is selfless. So, look, I'm not going to go into the specifics of all the orders and how it works because that will be boring. There are videos out there that will give you an idea of how this game plays. What I want to capture in this little talk is the scale of this game and the complexity but also the fun that's had. So all I'm going to say is these are the orders that the captain can potentially give. Change of speed, change of course, change of depth because you're in a submarine. 
go to the surface or just dive, just get out of here. You can assign an observation so you can have people on the top of the submarine looking out for baddies or in, well, depending on your context, I guess, who's bad and who's worse. <laughs> you can have people look through the periscope. You can have people use the hydrophone, which is this long-range sort of sonar, I guess, precursor, really. Well, it's the opposite of sonar, because sonar is active, whereas hydrophone is passive. You're listening for underwater noise is what it is. So it's a sonar precursor. Yeah. You've got the sextant, which is going up and looking at the stars to find out where you are, which you'll need to do because Navigator... Ultimately, doesn't have much of a clue where well, they are. Well, there's no GPS back in those days. And once you're out of sight of land, there's no way to determine where you are, Garth, without the use of those heavenly bodies. And a good military ship cannot run without everyone knowing their horoscope for the That's day. That's right. Correct. You've also got the Enigma machine to be able to send and receive communiques from head office. You can also repair things or order the repairs. You can also provide first aid to people who may or may not get injured for certain reasons. You can address the crew and say, hey, crew, you're really good. Have a beer on me. Or, guys and girls, you're really not good. Lift your game. Do do more faster. You can prepare meals or order them. And you can mobilise. And mobilise is an action, as a captain, you'll do a lot, which is moving everyone to whatever section of the submarine you need to be mm -hmm. in. And you will do that as your very first order because you need to to get the submarine moving. The other things the captain can order... And all of these are to do with combat, is you can turn on a machine that allow you to track an enemy ship. You can flood the torpedo tubes to get them ready to be fired. You can actually then fire them. You can then actually reload them. You can also then ask people to fire the 88mm gun that's on the top of the submarine, which you might want to do. And then you have also can order the 20mm gun, which is an anti-aircraft gun that's on the back of the submarine. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, the captain doesn't do any of these, really. They might do a couple of these things, but... Really, all they're doing is saying, you other people, do them. Yep. However, the response you'll most likely get is, oh, I didn't know you were going to ask us to do that, so my person's in the wrong spot to be able to do that order, so it's going to cost him twice as much of his effort to do it, which is really bad, so can you do another mobilise order, Captain, so that we can move the people around to get them in the right spot? And then the Captain will go, well, that's going to take two orders. Mm. Because the number of orders I can take are really limited and as captain. And then naturally you shoot them for talking back to the captain. Well, you then can throw them overboard. Oh, you can? Or that, that sounds cool. that may or may not happen, like a lot happened in the heat of the moment, <laughs> the captain might accidentally punch one to death. <laughs> Maybe. Sounds oh, lovely. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, dear. So, look, this game is amazing for the what it is. Mm. It is truly some of the most cooperative gameplay that I've been a part of because you cannot operate this game without all four players working together. If there was a betrayer mechanic in this game, you would not leave port. No, no. Now, we tried the first time, and, and Leon, you haven't played this, so it was myself and Mark and Bo and Trent. And we played the tutorial, which I was hoping to get through relatively quickly and then get into a real mission. Because the tutorial is, go to this section of a map, there's going to be an undefended ship, sink it, then go to this other section, try out the anti-aircraft stuff, go to this air section and do something different. So it's basically, these are the various ways that you can sink things, you can use your torpedoes, you can use your 88 mil, you can do some anti-aircraft, and that's it. And I was going, cool, it's a tutorial, it shouldn't take too long. <laughs> no, go we're there, not, do a thing. that off in no time. We'll be fine. Three hours later? Yeah. <laughs> We, we had to abort the emission because someone didn't bring a charger for the laptop, Trent, and it died three-quarters of the way through the mission, Trent, and he's not listening, so I can say, curse you, Trent. Yes. But then the next week, we all, like, we all had such a great time, we wanted to come back and do it again, so we went and did it again, and we had a real mission, and we all had the same roles. So and we had the charger for the laptop. We did. Mark was navigator. I was captain, Trent was my first officer and Bo was the engineer and, you know, everyone was over their roles now, which was great. Uh, and we went out and did a real mission and, again, it took several, several hours, but we were fighting the real damn English. Mm. And we sunk some ships and we almost died several times, but expert captaincy got us through that. <laughs> and we thought we were on one part of the uh, English Channel and then we popped our head up and used a sextant and it realised... Mark didn't know where the hell we, we were. We were in a slightly different position. <laughs> and then he got beaten to death. No, well, the no? good thing is this game quite overtly tells you in the rules that it is incredibly common to not know where the hell you are. Because once you submerge, yeah. which you will do, that, and the rough sort of rule is you want to fire some torpedoes at a thing and then you want to get under so they don't know where you are. Mm. 
So you do that. You shoot some torpedoes and then dive, dive, dive. Although what a lot of people don't realise about these World War II submarines, particularly the early ones, is they actually spent most of their time on the surface because they have the diesel engine and the electric engine. When they go underwater, they use the electric engine, which runs from batteries, but they can only run for... In our case, it was 18, 18 to 20 hours, hours or something, yeah. yeah? So basically then they've got to go back up to the surface, run the diesel engine to recharge the batteries. And because you're travelling quite long distances, so generally you sail out from France or Holland or somewhere, and then you're going quite a way north, could be sort of further north than the British Isles. Yeah, well, we it were headed right a, up into the North, north Sea, weren't yeah, we? Yeah, it takes, you know... You're only travelling maximum about 15 knots, which for these, those people who don't understand is about 30 kilometres an hour. So a lot of the time you're travelling for like a whole day on the surface before you even get anywhere near where you're going. Correct. So this game is about ultimately sinking the enemy. However, that's not very easy because it's 1940s. Things just don't work. Yep. And things have a real ability to break down. So in the couple of missions we've played, things have broken down within five minutes of us <laughs> starting this game. Well, not not just broken down because you have the sort of the planned maintenance task. Yes. So while things are going really well, it'll be you need to grease the torpedoes so they can slide easily into the torpedo tubes or make sure that this thing isn't going to break down when something happens. So you're doing this preventive maintenance, which is really sort of busy work Mm -hmm. for mostly the engineer until something really goes wrong. Exactly. Like, say, for example, your compass, so that the direction you are going Mm. in might not actually be true anymore. And you'll have to fix that, and it might take a couple of hours of in-game time or it might take... 24 hours of in-game time, which will chew up these couple of sailors who would otherwise have the skill set to be able to do something else. So, look, I think we've talked more than enough about how this game plays, even though we haven't gone into specifics because it's not that kind of game. I just want to say I love it. (laughs) I love the challenges that go in, and I've only played it as captain, so that go in with that. (laughs) So I will probably have a very different opinion when I'm not captain. But it felt like I was playing sort of vice-captain with Mark. (laughs) Primarily because it's Mark. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I have a question. Yes. Given that this game is real-time, how do you think this would go for people that, say, aren't big fans of the real-time genre because they find it a bit bit anxious and necessarily don't get a lot of fun out of that kind of constant, ah, things are happening all the time? Great. So, really good answer I have for that is that the app has this really big button that just says pause and resume. Oh, lovely. And you don't have to do things yeah. in real time because you can go pause and discuss discuss optimal moves, and I highly recommend that. Mm. Now, the other thing I highly recommend for this game, which we haven't done, which is why I highly recommend mm. it, is that you play your first couple of games on the easy setting. Because uh-huh. <laughs> we're gamers. We yeah. go straight to hardcore. So what we haven't talked about is... The difference between easy and medium is really, really big. Mm-hmm. Now, as Mark alluded to, the, you can you can do certain things with your sailors and some of them have an innate ability to do it and others uh, uh, don't. So each of your players have four sailors that they control. Each of those four sailors have certain skills and it, it's just itemised by a bit of iconography. So you'll have sailors who are better at manning the torpedoes or going up and firing guns or cooking food or being the helmsman or or changing things all of these things now each sailor has a maximum of three activations per watch and a watch goes for six hours every time as the captain i'm saying to the sailors go and fix that broken whatever it is go and fix my broken hydrophone that'll use up one or two actions of one or two or three sailors, depending on the severity of the break. Now, on medium, you can have a bad thing happen, and quite often in these games, you'll have two or three repairs or scheduled maintenance or something happen that's bad happen all at once, and that will chew up almost Mm. probably half to 75% of your crew, which requires you to mobilise to get people in the right space. Then each individual breakdown or repair costs an order. So the captain is, I'm ordering you to repair the bow torpedo tubes. 
one action. I'm ordering the next person to repair the periscope. I'm ordering the next person to repair the hydrophone and something else. That's four orders. Now, I don't have the board in front of me, but a captain may have eight to ten orders per six-hour watch, and it'll reset after that. But, for example, to leave port, the first order you'll have to do is mobilise. There's one. Then the next order is to set a course. That's two. The next course is to make sure that you've got observers up on deck observing. That's three. Then you've got to go to high speed, which is four. So in the space of about 30 seconds of in-game time, mm -hmm. you've used up half of your available orders for that whole watch. Hmm. Now, if you then exceed the number of orders that you're given essentially for free, you're then digging into the morale, which is the second lot of order track. And that's where it gets real bad real quickly because every time you dig into the morale, or sorry, every second order that goes down the morale track, you're going to have to draw a card and a card will be a bad thing. They'll start off being a little bit bad, like, oh, he's got, say, insomnia. So you have to assign insomnia to one of your random sailors, which means that they, instead of having three actions they can do, can only have two. But as you go down that morale track, which doesn't get better, yes. you might end up that two sailors are having fist fights and that the captain ends up killing somebody <laughs> because they've inflicted a wound. And In if, a anyone fist gets, fight. if anyone gets two wounds, they die. Hmm. Or maybe a mutiny or maybe just the ship just falls to the bottom of the ocean. Fun. Now, that's medium. On easy, you don't have to pay for actions if it's a task that is a specialty of yours. Uh, so if, for example, and I'll use the cook again, you've got the cook in the kitchen and you ask him to cook a meal, which has to happen every single day, otherwise morale will go down, that's not going to cost an action. Or if I ask Bo or whoever is the chief engineer to repair some things because all of his individual sailors are skilled at repairing, that's not going to cost an action. And that will free up a lot of space for when stuff is really needed right now. And that was the, to me, that was the sort of the struggle I had was I didn't quite understand how you, you order a particular course, you've got the dudes, two dudes who are steering, and then you order a different course. Well, they're already sitting there steering with the wheels in their hand, but then you've got to spend another order to get them to turn the wheels. And to me, that seemed a little bit silly. I, I get where they're trying to get the tension of you can only do a certain amount of things, but really when you're in the heat of battle, you're going to be turning left, then turning right, then turning left again and doing all sorts of stuff, but really it's all just the one order of them doing steering stuff. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the difference it makes when we play the easy, easy version because those couple of times when we were in the heat of battle and we were trying to, you know, we'd come in, we'd expertly navigated to be in the right spot. You had expertly fired some torpedoes and sunk two large merchant ships. But because you didn't take my advice and sink the destroyer that was escorting them first, then we were running away from that destroyer by going, by turning, by diving, by doing all sorts of stuff. Which we did expertly. And we barely survived because we were depth charged and eventually we got away after quite a bit of damage. But... The fact of, well, we've turned the wheel a couple of times now and now we've got to wait till the end of the six hours before we can turn the wheel to a different course, it sort of just jarred a little bit with me that it wasn't quite realistic. And as yes. I said, I get, the, I get the sense of tension they're trying to build of there's only so much you can do and then morale will start to decrease. I really like the morale mechanic. Yeah, me too. And how it ramps up where, oh, someone, someone's a bit tired or someone's a bit cranky to... Two guys break out in a fist fight and one guy gets killed, <laughs> you know, to someone gets shot in the head. It really it creates that sense. And I don't know whether you guys watched the new TV show, Das Boot. No. Was it on Netflix or was it on? I think it was on SBS. Sounds like it should be on SBS. Um, it was on SBS and it was basically like a follow-up to the movie of Dust Bolt, where the movie was all about being on the submarine. The TV show was a bit on the submarine and a bit in the port, a bit more political, a bit more intrigue and spies and things. But when it was on the submarine, there was just constant tension between the officers trying to get the sailors to do stuff, the sailors who most of the time didn't think what the officers telling them to do was a good idea, because, um, you know, most of these people are pretty smart people down there, and, you know, mutinies happen, and people have fights, and people are tired, and people are hurt, and 
it's a real tense place to be in a submarine under the ocean while being while people are trying to kill you. Correct. And that's the people outside the submarine, let alone the people inside. Well, that's why I sent everyone up and we went fishing. And that boosted morale. <laughs> that makes sense. But it... it does do a really great job of capturing that tension of how difficult it is actually to coordinate all these things. I said at the time in our little chat when we were preparing for the second game, like, I loved the first game so much and was a little bit disappointed when the, the app died, but hey, these things happen. But just how much I was looking forward to getting it back to the table and playing it again just said volumes about the sense of realism the sense of engagement that you get while you're in this game. And, and I agree with you, Garth. There has not been another co-op game where you are so reliant on all the other people and how arguments broke out about, no, let's do this. And, you know, you as the captain would shout us down and then two of us were talking on the side, maybe, maybe we should do this. And then you would say, go and do this. And I was like, oh, oh I already did. And what, what, what? And just the tension... It was amazing. It was an amazing experience. One of the best gaming experiences I've ever had. Now, the game itself as a game, you know, there's a lot of things that maybe aren't brilliant, but the experience that it creates is fascinating. I agree. I would go out and buy this game. Now, this is not a cheap game. It's mm. 150 to probably 180 bucks if you go, and you're not going to get the Kickstarter version. Now, Again, I paid some extra dollars to get the resin sets. I also paid some extra money to get this big player mat, which is about a metre long and it does that has tactical view, which is another view that you can have. I would still go out and buy it. Mm. It's not the best components you're ever going to have, but the experience that you get from this game is unlike more, almost any other game that you're going to have. And the app is really, really clever. Mm. I really like the app integration. What mission does the Kraken come into it? <laughs> uh, it's a, we haven't got to that one yet. We haven't got there yet. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. let me know when you do because then I'll play. Well, we need to get you playing it because I think you would really, really like it. So, look, that is U-Boot. Yes. It has been delivered to all of its backers, I believe, now, but it's already within the top 250 thematic mm. games on BGG, and I dare say that'll shoot up a lot. It's so thematic. I was going to say, if this, if this conversation has piqued your interest, then there are a few videos, not a huge amount, but there are a few videos, and I'm sure there'll be more that pop up, but if you've got a group of four people that you think would enjoy this, bite the bullet and go for it. It is an amazing experience. And on that note, yes. let's throw to a song and then come back with some DDD news. You with the Dice Men Cometh on Edge Radio, 99.3 FM. Hello everyone, Mark here with a brief history lesson about patronage. Did you know that Cesar Borgia patronised Leonardo da Vinci? We all know where that ended up. That game he made about civilization building got bastardised into Small World, a game of cuddly races cuddling up against each other in cuddly mountain caves. And Christian de Troyes, or Troyes as you might know him, was uh, patronised by Marie of France. Now, I used to call her French Mary when I knew her back in the 12th century. But again, another board game that was produced with patronage. How can you support patronage these days? Well, we've got this web-based thingy on the internet called Patreon. And by giving money to the Dice Men there, you allow us to create board gaming genius by way of media content, by way of your internet radio waves into your ears. And there's more. But we need more money to do it. If you support us on Patreon, you'll get paid back a thousand times over in the content that we create. Or just feel good that you're helping three poor little people in Tasmania from having a hobby. We appreciate everything you do. We love you all. Thank you so much for supporting the Dice Men on Patreon. Getting paid back does not include real money. Terms and conditions apply. Edge Radio 99.3 FM with the Dice Man Cometh. And <laughs> that was uh, Dallas Hannon with Mist, or as we called it, 
I shouldn't make fun. They're a local act and their art is very important to them. Yeah. But, but mm. anywho, so, Mark, you've got a thing and we have a jingle for the thing. It's not really a jingle, but it's a We haven't done that in a long time. No, we haven't because we haven't had some news for a while. So I've got a few smaller items of news and then one bigger item. So I'll knock off the smaller items first. Uh, So Phil Walker-Harding, Australian designer extraordinaire, has a new expansion for Barren Park. Uh, It's called Bad News Bears because if you're going to have something with bears, of course it's going to be called Bad News Bears. Now, Bad News Bears, the expansion, has a number of modules that add a few different little things to Barham Park. So you've got grizzlies. Mm-hmm. Now, in the grizzly module, you also add a new play area. So you go from like four to five because everyone knows grizzlies need a bit more space because they're big. Oh, so your zoo can be a maximum of five. Yes, Ooh, that's right. So your zoo gets bigger. Okay. But then, of course, what do you want in your bear zoo? Uh, a slippery dip. Almost. Okay. A monorail. Oh, monorail! Now, of course, this takes your word? park... Mono! Oh! <laughs> this takes your park into the third dimension because the monorail actually goes up and over the rest of the park. Then you've also got a whole bunch of new cars and achievements and scoring that you can do. So that is coming out in August 2019. And I know... People have been waiting for an expansion of that game because it has been out a little while and it has been quite popular. Does it have a German name like Grizzly Schmizzly Mizzly or something? Bad News Baden. I don't know. I don't think so. I like Baron Um, Now, talking about underwater and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Seamless. Yeah. Days of Wonder. Remember them? Yes. And they're sort of like one game a year policy. I like the river. Yeah, yeah, and which, then before that was Yamatai. Yamatai, your favourite Two game. absolute uh, swing and a misses there, well, lads. Well, <laughs> you know, they, 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 had, they had some good runs on the board early and they, oh, they yeah. sort of... Oh, yeah. Anyway, so we know they have incredible production values, amazing, gorgeous artwork, and they've got a game called Deep Blue, which is coming out and they're tr- obviously trying to continue the tradition of these amazing-looking games. Now, this game has a pusher luck. And an engine building uh, aspect targeted at your family game type situation, which sees players diving for wealth and joining and benefiting other players' diving fortunes because you are diving for treasure. So you're collecting a crew of divers, sailors and archaeologists. You're racing to wreck sites to claim the best spots to dive from and scout the seas to discover new wrecks. Now, when I read about this, apart from the fact it looks gorgeous, the first thing I thought was, is this just a blinged out version of Deep Sea Adventures from <laughs> Oink Game, which is obviously a push your luck diving to get treasure game. Now, it has a, a big board element where you're moving around discovering things. And as we said, Days of Wonder have been a little bit hit and miss with these once a year games the last couple of years. So I don't know. But it's always exciting when one of their new games comes out. It's coming out in October with a North American and European release. Yeah, look, I think it would be interesting. I I, I like the concept. I really like Deep Sea Adventure. And it's still, like, mining the deep oceans for treasure or resources or whatever isn't really a topic that's had a lot of traction with games. Underwater cities. Yeah, but when we talked about it, underwater cities could be overwater cities yes. or just boring cities Terraforming or cities. anything. It, there's no, the theme does not come through yeah. at all in this. So I, I would like that to be successful. Yep. It sounds intriguing. I'm, look, I'm going to be fascinated to see how it turns out. Now, Leon. Hello. Even after Plan B announced that the Century Golem edition, yes. which was the golem remake of Century Spice Road, uh-huh. when they announced it was a one-off and they wouldn't be giving the other Century titles the same treatment... We didn't believe them, did we? Nope, sure didn't. Because, I'm sure we all agree, the Golemy edition yep. was way more fun and awesome. Certainly it looked was. gorgeous. It had those awesomey, crystal-y things. What were they? Crystals? Yeah, them. <laughs> so, of course, what's happened? Yeah. Plan B are now taking pre-orders for Century Golem Edition's Eastern Mountains, which is the second game in the Century trilogy. And, of course... They've already announced that the third title, which the non-Golemy edition is called Century A New World, is going to be Golemized 
in 2020 as well. Of course it will be. That reminds me, I need to ask in our local gaming group, uh, the Hobart Game Society, if anyone would like to go in on me to get this new uh, Golem edition ah. because uh, you can pre-order it now from their website, I believe. Yes, it's pre-orders. And I'm going to take a stab and say that shipping is going yeah. to be horrendous, <laughs> even though I haven't looked into it yet, but I reckon I can get a few other people on the bandwagon. Yeah, so Plan B are taking pre-orders now, as you said, from their website. That's the only way to get it. Well, I've had no desire to play the second game that the Eastern... Eastern Wonders? Eastern Wonders yes. or whatever it is. That's been out for a while now. I've mm-hmm. kind of looked at it and gone, eh, mainly because I knew in the back of my head they're going to be a Golem yes. edition and I'll play that when it comes out. Look, it is it's, it is so more attractive. Yeah, it is. Um, now, a couple of app things because, uh, Garth, you haven't done any ios type news for a while. Well, I haven't been to the toilet in months. And I stumbled across these. Now, the first thing, which I totally missed, I'm sure the listeners didn't, the digital version of Gloomhaven coming to Steam. Now, I'd missed the uh, original trailer, but when I was doing my research on this last night, a video had just dropped literally hours before which showed actual gameplay, and I did post it on our Facebook page because early access for the digital version of Gloomhaven is coming to Steam on July 17, which is only like a week away from today. By the time... You out there are actually listening to this episode. It's probably already dropped. That's going to be exciting. And the video, which shows the gameplay, I was saying to you earlier, Garth, it is just what you want from a digital version of a board game. Because it's like an animated version, but the actual gameplay is like the gameplay with your two cards, with the tile maps. It's not like they've taken the characters from it and made a video game about it. it. It's the actual game. And so I'm so excited because finally I might actually get Gloomhaven to the table this way. Well, that's it. You know, Mark, you and I have talked at length about how we love Gloomhaven. But unfortunately, we hang out with people who don't like Gloomhaven Mm. to the same extent. (laughs) So mediocre. It's not. (laughs) And there's no way we're going to get through the hours and hours of gameplay. But we might in this situation... If it allows multiplayer yeah, and I'm cooperative not, work. And, I'm not and sure. Would ha- really, You'd think I'd so. really be disappointed You'd if it didn't. So. I mean, you guys it makes sense. You guys should get together and finish that campaign. I mean, you're, you're at least halfway through. You're on, what, four missions? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and look, while we're on, uh, on digital things, I didn't even realise there's a digital version of Legends of Andor. Mm. Now, I read this and I was thinking, oh, does this mean they're going to be producing uh, new content? No, they're just upgrading the UI. But... To me, that sort of adventure type game, again, is perfectly suited to a digital version. So you might want to check that out. This one is not Steam. This one is iOS or Android. Yeah, I, I think it's a really good port. I've been playing uh, a bit of One Deck Dungeon okay. on the app, and that's been a lot of fun. And I just go back to the, the old, like, simple games, because sometimes just a good game of roll for it. Yes. A great way to kill five minutes. Yeah. But the great thing is there are more and more apps there that will either take up five minutes of your time or I've been playing a bit of Dota Overlords or Underlords, something like that, which is like a a Dota very weird chess variant. And a game of that takes half an hour to 45 minutes, but it's really good fun. Okay. So maybe I should do an iOS. Maybe I'll I'll go back to the There you go. Well, so the last bit of news I've got is the 2018 Dice Tower Awards. Now, you guys talked in one of the episodes that I've was out of the country, I That's think. That's a great episode. You actually. talked about the Delta. nominees, but just the other day, the winners were announced. Mm-hmm. So just as a reminder, uh, for Game of the Year, the nominees were Architects of the West Kingdom, Brass Birmingham, Chronicles of Crime, Everdell, Rising Sun, Teotihuacan, The Mind, Underwater Cities, Western Legends and Root. What a great bunch of games. And The Mind. And the winner... <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, fair enough. And the winner was Root. Hey! It was the Game of the Year. Now, Root had six nominations amongst all the different Dice Tower Awards. It also picked up, well, I guess, leader games who designed it. They also picked up the best small publisher. They were the only two wins it had, though. Chronicles of Crime had six nominations, and it won best co-op game Mm -hmm. and most innovative game. Okay. Uh, Interestingly... Detective, a modern crime board game, was also in that category, which it didn't win, but it won Best Game Theming. 
How interesting. Um, yes. So the the mind had five nominations in all those awards. Yep. It didn't win any awards. Hey! Although that is a prize in itself. Yes. Although uh, Wolfgang Vash um, did win best new designer, but of course he did also design the Quacks of Quedlingburg, which we love. Yep. Um, he also designed Gunshot Gun Clever. Clever. Gun I was going to say, Clever. I remember when that category came out and I was like, why do they even bother yes. doing this? Is, <laughs> is there anyone that's ever had a better yeah. rookie year, I guess you could call oh, it, in board gaming history? Amazing. I don't, I don't think they have. Um, look, a couple of the others. So Teotihuacan won the best strategy game. Yep. Fireball Island, the Curse of Volcar won the best family game. Mm. Just One won just the party game. And interesting to see if that translate across to the spiel. As I no, said, Lama. Um, Chron- got that. Chronicles of Crime won <laughs> co-op. Uh, Keyforge, Call of the Archons won the two-player game. Well, that was a no-brainer. That was never not going to win. And um, I think we pretty much said the same thing. Yes. Um, Everdell, with our pal, uh, friend of the show, Dan Mayer's art director, not that he created a lot of the art, but he directed all of it to be amazing, won the award for best game. Artwork, which is... Which is- very well deserved. Yeah. The the physical componentry that, and then the art on the cards is just amazing. Yep. And speaking of physical componentry, Rising Sun won the best production values, which I guess if you're looking at the Kickstarter version, I'd say well deserved. Not sh- so sure about with the the retail version. Ah, um, we get to that anyway. We should uh, go back and listen and see how well we did because we uh, we just we we sort of assessed who we think we thought we were going to win. There you go. I reckon we did all right. Um, Scythe, The Rise of Fenris won the best expansion, and I do still really want to play no, that. Terrifying Mars was robbed. Yeah. <laughs> well, you You've do... always loved it from day one, oh, Leon. Because uh, no. Prelude was one of the... Yeah, because you would not play Terrifying Mars without Prelude, yeah. whereas you'd play plenty of games of Scythe without Fenris, yeah. even though it is supposed to be really good. Yeah. So, but, you know, whatever. Okay, and then the, the best reprint was won by Fireball Island, The Curse of Vulcan. Again, I mean, that was the Fireball Island category. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anything else, Mark? So, no, there you go. That is the news. But I was very pleased to see Chronicles perform really well. And, you know, in the battle of Chronicles versus Detective, you would have to say, at least in these awards, that Chronicles won, which is fascinating again. I think the best thing about the awards this year is the the spread of all the different things that mm. won. Normally, like the year that Gloomhaven won, and I think the year, I want to say Pandemic, maybe won as well, uh, Legacy yes. won. I think they, they basically yeah, they won five or six it. awards, and it's kind of like, well, yeah, obviously they're really good, but it's like Root won Game of the Year, and then yeah. Best Small Publisher. If that was by a big publisher, all it would have won was Game of the Year. Yes. And that's all it needs to win. Yeah. And like, you know, T.O. Tech, that one, great, Rising Sun, stuff like that. It's good to see that when you have so much competition and so yeah. much interesting things that all those games on those lists are well worth looking at. Absolutely. Well, as we said, in that Game of the Year category, apart, and I know everyone doesn't agree with this, but apart from the mind... I was only just thinking, by the way, if I play that this weekend at LFG and it's like my favourite of <laughs> and it'll be very, very... Because I still haven't played it yet. I saw you two play it and went... <laughs> well, if you do like it, we'll just be looking for a new dice man. That's great. <laughs> that's, that's, that's very anyway, I got all my news in. Yes. We haven't run out of time. And in Leon, Hello. I've actually saved you a couple of minutes at the end. Really? Because you had some cat-related things you wanted to talk to us about, maybe? Well, I did. I mean, the other night we had a, um, a game night around uh, my place, uh, myself, my wife, and uh, the, the Winter Sisters. Oh, oh yes. Uh, Oren and Georgie. And, and Marcy. And little Marcy. And uh, we played the game Monster Slaughter, which Ooh. I will talk about on the show at some point, uh, once I play it with you lads, and once we play the rules correctly. Because <laughs> we may have did a bit of a boo-boo. But I blame the baby, because it was something that I did say out loud when I was reading out the rules and I believe everyone was paying attention to the cute little baby at the time, (laughs) so I very much blame the small child. But then after that, we had a quick game of a game by the name of Cat Lady. Now, when you're in the presence of my wife and uh, Georgie, and pretty much Oren and myself as well, we, we might be men in, well... The dictionary definition of it. Cat, but cat ladies but in we're, man we're suits. very much cat ladies in man mm-hmm. suits. Now, this game came out uh, two years ago, and it's only a relatively small game. You could pick it up for pretty cheap, and it is a card drafting game where you pick up 
different cards from this pool in the middle. There's nine different cards. When you pick up a row, you'll put a little cat token next to that row for when the new cards that come out, somebody can't take that row straight away. However, you can move, you can take different cards from different rows so you can maybe get one of those cards out of the new ones that comes out. And the aim of it is to get these different cats in front of you and to feed them. So you'll be uh, recruiting, if you will, stray cats from the middle, and then you'll be getting different kinds of food. I think there's milk, there's milk, there's fish, and there's meat or poultry, I believe. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to get the most food you can to feed them. However, you do not want to overfeed them because you will lose points. And if you underfeed them, you will lose points. So this is a game that's mm. pretty quick. It only takes about 10, 15 minutes, even from a learning game. And then you get things like catnip, which you can move that little cat token away so you can get those brand new cards yeah. and stuff like that. It's very, very similar to um, Sushi Go. Yep. Very, very similar. Okay. The set collection type thing. Uh, but, but if you like cats, it's got cats in it. But at the end of the day, like I think Georgie said she played 30, 40 bucks for it. That's nearly the price of Sushi Go Party, mm. which, I mean, you can't recommend this over that. <laughs> but it's a game about cats that I played, and it was all right. There you did, go. Did you end up backing the... Uh, Isle of Cats? Cat Island, whatever it's called? No, I didn't, Ooh. which I probably should have. But it's, it's, it's yet another $100 that I could... I say I could easily go home and waste tonight on buying something else. Well, I've got three games to, to hand deliver to you today yeah. that you've just bought. Well, I'm getting very excited about Aetherfields, Etherfields, the new Awaken Realms game that is also, I think, its Kickstarter goes live on the 16th and yeah. Rado's videos have just gone up. Oh, have they? Um, oh, I better he, check this out. He's raving about it. I think they've just put the price up, and it's about $120 for the base game, which is oh, actually not, not, not the price, actually. The price has no, 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 as in there, there's been the draft it. Kickstarter page up for a while, and they've just put the price up, I think, of the base game, and it's there's obviously going to be add-ons and expansions. But Luke, enough I about fictional galore. games that are never actually coming. I've got the expansion for Everdell, mm -hmm. Pearlbrook. Oh. That's going to turn up on my awesome. doorstep anytime soon, so I get to whip out that big old tree and the little expansion <laughs> for it. Uh, but with the last few seconds that we have, yes. we should probably just say thank you to everybody for listening, as always. Follow us on all the social things and feel free to go over to uh, Redbubble and buy all the stuff. Yeah. Um, but I won't be here next week, but sadly, even more than usual, because I'm off to Sydney tomorrow. Yes. Because I'm going to LFG, yeah. which is going to be awesome. As uh, Mark went last year. Yes. I'm going this year, so I'm going to spend three days. Of course, I'll be there proud on a Sunday, as I always have at every <laughs> convention. I've had, I've had multiple messages from people saying like, oh, we want to you know, see you and maybe have a bit of an interview or play a game with you. Probably not going to worry about that on Sunday because we know you'll be busy. Just like, ha, 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 ha. But either way, I'm very much looking forward to getting out to Bankstown. We are out of here. So I've been Garth, he's been Mark, and he's been Leanne. We're the Dice Men Cometh, and we will see you all next week. Bye. Dura. You've been listening to another episode of The Dice Men Cometh. Find us on DiceMenCometh.com, Facebook, Instagram, and if you like what you hear, please support us on Patreon.